Good evening. It is good to be together to worship God on this Sunday evening. If you're a guest, we're glad that you're here. If you would be opening your Bibles, we're going to look at a few passages, one in 1 Timothy 3 briefly, and then in Matthew 25 briefly, and then we'll spend the rest uh, of our time of study tonight in Acts the 6th chapter, and I hope that you look forward to this time of study. I want to remind you again of the ways that we can help strive to make a difference in the lives of, of children. And you can pick up the flyers if you were not here this morning to learn much more in detail, but just want to remind you that the list for Agape and the baskets for the children and the baskets for the mothers, uh, those items to create those baskets are being collected. And right now they're just being collected in the foyer here. Probably next Sunday there'll be a drop-off place at each end of the foyer and probably even Wednesday night. And we appreciate the uh, positive uh, feedback that has been coming back from this. Also, want to remind you of the family, the Estra Books that are adopting. And uh, if you want to help financially with that, uh, you can earmark a check, uh, make it out to Mount Juliet, and of course that will be given to them along those lines. Uh, I was able to find out this afternoon the amount that they are needing to raise at this time to, to complete the amount of money that they need is around $12,500. And so it would be wonderful if we could help with that in some way. And so we just want to each do our part. And that's how God's work has always been done, each doing their part. What an exciting time in the life of this congregation. Deacons are a rich blessing. I'm holding an article that I've saved for several years that I have really, really enjoyed about deacons. I just want to read to you the first line of this article. It's written by my father-in-law, Leon Barnes. And to open up this article about deacons, he makes this statement that is quite powerful. One of the greatest keys for continued church growth is a committed group of deacons who look for ways to build their service to the Lord. Church growth, biblical church growth, demands faithful deacons. You're going to see that tonight, even from the model that's laid out from the infant church in Acts, the sixth chapter. But before we get there, I'd like for you to think about not just a deacon, but think about a deacon who doesn't shirk their responsibility, but excels at the Lord's work because that's where their heart is. That's where their energy is. That's where their focus is. That's where their work is. There's something beautiful about that. And yet, on the other hand, it doesn't matter if it's a deacon or if it's a captain of a cruise ship that's on its side just off the coast in Rome right now, of Italy. When someone shirks their duty, it just doesn't look well, does it? Now I know the trial hasn't been had yet, and there's probably a lot more to say, and many of you have been watching this story probably, but isn't it amazing that a, a cruise line that, that, that transports 4,200 people can capsize, and the biggest discussion is not the loss of that ship, and even really why that's happening right now, the hot topic right now, is that witnesses saw the captain of the ship in a lifeboat with a blanket over him leaving while people were still on the ship. Now, to be fair, he denies that, But there are many, many witnesses that have already said it, including Italian officials that said they met him at the shore 
and insisted that he honor, key word, honor his code of conduct as a captain and go back to your ship until everyone has left and abandoned and he refused to do so. The lack of honor, the lack of commitment to fulfilling duty is never pretty. I'm not suggesting you that we live in a world where everybody fulfills their commitments. I'm just saying that when people don't, it never looks good. Isn't it interesting out of all the things that the Lord could have emphasized for deacons, when you think about it, there are not that many passages in the Bible about deacons. But we do have the one that gives the qualifications and gives a powerful statement of summary towards the end of those. And so first tonight, I'd like for us to look at that one. It's in 1 Timothy, the third chapter, and in verse 13. He's laid out the qualifications, but before he will leave the topic of deacons, notice what he says in 13. For those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Emphasis on what? Deacons who have served well. He says, let me tell you a couple of things that they're going to benefit in their life, their spiritual life, their life of faith, in their reputation, and who they are. There's going to be great benefit. Lord, tell us again, great benefit in what? Deacons who serve well. Why? There's something attractive and powerful when a man fulfills the duties that God gives him. Now, if we want to take this in a general sense, let's look at one more verse of introduction. Let's go to Matthew, the 25th chapter. You're going to know this one very well. You remember in Matthew, the 25th chapter, we have the story of the talents. And remember the five and the two talent, when they went out and used what was given them and they were committed to what their master had given them to use, they each heard similar replies. We'll just read one of those. Look at verse 21. His Lord said to him, well, see that's, a, that's an evaluation. Well done, that's completion. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. When we look at the growth of the church, what we see throughout the Bible is that the growth of the church could only be experienced when there were multiple leaders, each fulfilling their responsibility, refilling, fulfilling their responsibility in such a way that they didn't have to do dual responsibilities. Listen, a church never thrives whenever a, a preacher feels like he has to be the preacher and serve as an elder. A church never thrives when an elder feels like that he's got to be an elder and do some of the deacon's work. A church never thrives whenever a congregation looks and says, I don't see anybody shepherding our souls. Now that's not to throw rocks at anybody, it's just to illustrate the fact that what God has always wanted is for men in leadership to fulfill their role. Not everybody else's, not somebody else's, their role. Let's look at the growth and we're turning to Acts now. 
In Acts, the second chapter, we see growth in the church, which is a beautiful thought whenever we think about it. It's just more souls being saved, and it's changing their eternity. In Acts, the second chapter, and and we won't have slides for some of this that we're about to go over, uh, but we'll get back to where we do have slides in a moment. But if you want to open your Bible there, look at Acts, the second chapter. What happened in 41? We see that those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So we have the beginning of the church. That's quite a growth, 3,000 souls in one day. We look at Acts, the fourth chapter, and we see in verse 4, however, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So now it's grown not only by 2,000 because in in Acts 2 it was 3,000 souls total being baptized, men and women. And here it was only the men and it came to 5,000. So if there were that many women, we're up to 10,000. And if you were just going to do a general assembly account uh, like we sometimes do, if you count the children, they probably went from from that 3,000 on the day of Pentecost that were baptized to probably up to 15, 20, 25,000 by, by the time we come here to the fourth chapter. But now we go to the fifth chapter. Remember Ananias and, and, and Sapphira have been executed by God Almighty. And in the 14th verse of Acts, the fifth chapter, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. Now today, if you and I talked about multitudes, we'd probably talk about a few hundred. But remember the Lord, when he talks about increase, he's talking about increase by thousands. And so if the church has increased again, when already there was 5,000 men and it's increased again, what is it up to now? We don't know, but we know this, the growth hasn't stopped. Because when we get to Acts the sixth chapter, what's the topic again in Acts 6 and verse 1? Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, you say only good things can come when the church continues to grow. No. Every church, every congregation will go through growing pains. It's a part of growing. And so what we see here, when we get to Acts the sixth chapter, we see all this growth and everything looks positive except for the death there of two individuals that lied. But other than that, everything is looking positive. But then we come to Acts 6 and it's like hit the brakes. All of a sudden now, this growing church has growing pains that has to be dealt with. Let's read these first uh, seven verses of Acts 6. I'll make a few comments along the way and then we'll go back and give three summary points and then we will uh, conclude this service in a wonderful fashion being led by our elders in just a moment. Look in Acts the sixth chapter. Let's read this. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews. That means those with a Hebrew tradition, they would have spoke the Hebrew tongue, they would have practiced the ceremonies and etc. attached with their tradition. The complaint was against them, and it was by the Hellenists, those with the Greek tradition, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So this is not a complaint that is unmerited. This is a complaint that is a worthy complaint. Hey, there are part of the widows in our congregation that are being taken care of in the daily distribution of the food, but there's a segment of our congregation of widows that are literally going hungry when the food was supposed to be delivered. Church, we've got problems. That's literally what's being said here. Uh, This growth has been good, but now it's gotten so large that there's some important things that need to be taken care of, and apparently not everybody's being taken care of. So what's the answer going to be? If, If you were the apostles at this time, would you roll up your sleeves and say, somebody's got to get out there and feed these widows, and I'm going to make sure that a widow doesn't go hungry, and so I'm going to go out there and feed them. Now look what they do in two. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples, and he said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God 
and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. How many times have you heard people say the church isn't a business? But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, the proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they, talking about the apostles, had prayed, they laid hands on them. And notice this, how things have changed from verse 1 to verse 7. Then, now that that's been taken care of, the, the conflict has been resolved. The number of leaders has been added. Then the word of God spread. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. What difference does a faithful deacon or faithful deacons make? And we understand here at this point the church is in her infancy. And so instead of elders, the church at this point is being led by apostles. Instead of appointing deacons, the church at this point simply appoints servants. Now as the church matures, instead of appointing additional elders, they're going to additional apostles, they're going to appoint elders. And, and instead of calling them just seven servants, they're going to appoint deacons. And so we're not saying that this is exactly the same, but definitely in the scriptures, this is a parallel coming from an infant church and moving toward the maturation of the church that would one day be deacons in this role. What's the lesson? What is it that deacons do? We see that deacons improve the congregation. They improve the individuals, those Grecian widows, do you think when those seven men were appointed and they went from not receiving the daily food, can you imagine the next day when they started receiving the daily food? And see, it's hard for us to imagine it because not many of us have ever gone a day without food because we didn't have it. Imagine them. Can you imagine how they would have seen that meal come and they would have said, I am so thankful that we have those additional servants. Those guys have enriched and have blessed my life. I am so thankful. They are improving the work of the church. And of course, when, when we improve individuals, that's who makes up the church. And so in return, it's a blessing to the entire church when we look at the deacons that serve the entire church. Have you ever stopped to think that if every deacon here went on strike... Every deacon here went on strike. We literally would fall apart. We really would. If, if others didn't step up in their place, we could not do what we do without the deacons that we have. They make our lives better. They give us opportunities to serve and to work along with them. Did you know that our deacons here, and this is very biblical, they're challenged to do two things. They're challenged to do the work of the ministry that they have said, I'll do that. They're challenged to grow it 
and to do it the best they can. But they're also challenged to be willing to involve everyone that wants to work in their area. One is making a ministry that may be serving one portion of the congregation and it improves their life, and the other is involving those that want to work in that ministry, and that improves their life. But the second thing I'd like for you to see in this text is not only does it improve the congregation, but it enriches the lives of the elders. Now here it was the apostles. But what do we mean by it enriches their lives? It gives them the opportunity to do what elders do. In other words, when you have faithful deacons, deacons take care of leading the service Uh, The works, in other words, and elders take care of shepherding. Notice again how it was said here. Look back to what the apostles said in verse 2. The twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And so then in 3, they said they were going to appoint men over this business. In other words, they're going to take care of it. They're over it. The apostles will not have to be over this business. And what was the result? Look in verse 4. But we, talking about the apostles, will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The apostles said, listen, we can do this, but if we do this, we can't do what apostles are supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be giving our life continually to prayer and to the preaching and the developing of God's word in the lives of the people and in the community around us. And eventually the apostles are going to take it to the world. Now notice when it said that it wasn't desirable that we should take care and feed those widows. Talking about the apostles. Have you ever thought about that? What that means? It's not desirable? I suggest to you by human nature would say it's pretty desirable. How many in here enjoy a nice hug? If you knew that a widow didn't have food for three or four days, do you think it would be desirable to be the one that gets to deliver their food the next day? I mean, really, human nature? Human nature, I can just imagine Peter, you know, that self-starting Peter. I can imagine him saying, you mean to tell me we have, we have ladies that haven't eaten in several days? I tell you what, I'm going to go and, and I'm going to start getting food together and I'm going to start delivering. I can just imagine him hugging these widows and delivering their food. You're telling me Peter wouldn't think that that was just the coolest thing. He would have loved every minute of it. He's not saying desirable in the sense of we are apostles and we don't associate with those people that can't afford their own food. That's not the problem. What do they mean when they said desirable? They're talking about what is best for the kingdom. It's important for whatever role that God has given us to fulfill that we desire to fulfill God's plan. And there may be times when deacons if they were not doing what they should be doing, that it would be tempting for an elder to leave his task of shepherding. But for the good of the church, that would not be desirable for him to go and to spend his time and abandon the post that God has given him. Deacons make a difference because deacons that serve in a committed way enrich the lives of elders because they allow the elders to do what God has given them to do, knowing that what God has given the deacon to do 
is being fulfilled also. But finally, I'd like you to see this, that deacons, they participate along with our Lord in the Great Commission. You remember that Great Commission where it's our task to go out and to reach people, where to go and where to teach and to make disciples and to baptize them and then continue teaching them. In other words, the Great Commission is about discipleship. And when we look at 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, we see that we all have a hand in that. It's not that everybody's going to be and to fulfill the same part in the body, but when the body works together as a whole, so much can be done to reach the lost. We see a perfect example of that right here in Acts the 6th chapter. We have widows that were not being taken care of. They needed to be fed. We have now that has sparred complaints. Now we have the potential of a great division. This could have been the first church split. You know who stopped what could have been the first church split? Men that were willing to step up and to work faithfully as these appointed servants. They stopped the first church split that could have taken place. The New Testament church could have split wide open based on Hebrew and Hellenist. But instead, instead, we see now this problem is resolved. The complaints are resolved. Did you notice... In verse 5, instead of complaints, we have, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. You're going you're to appoint servants that take care of this? That's wonderful. Now there's not division. Now there's unity. But note the conclusion in verse 7. We've already read it, but look, there's three things in verse 7. What happens when everybody fulfills their place? The Word of God spread... The number of disciples increased or multiplied, and even a great many priests became obedient to the faith. Brethren, that's great commission things. How did it happen? Does that mean that one particular deacon did all that? No. Does that mean only the deacons did all that? No. That meant you had apostles that were able to do what God gave them the task to do. You had special servants that carried out what God gave them the task to do. And you had a congregation that was carrying out what God gave them the task to do. And when the whole body was functioning the way God intends for it to be, pause here, you got that? When the whole body functions the way God intends, the word is always going to spread and the number of disciples are always going to increase. That's God's plan. The church has lost its mission if we don't understand that that's a result of effective church. Why did Jesus come to this earth? To seek and save the lost. So what's the important thing? The important thing for us to realize tonight is by human wisdom, we might come up with a lot of different models and different operations. But in humility, let's submit and exalt God's model. Let's make sure that we truly appreciate the deacons that we have. We have a wonderful, wonderful eldership. One of the things that our eldership has done is our eldership has allowed men to serve as deacons and make a powerful impact upon our lives. We're blessed to have such elders. 
And we're blessed to have such deacons. And we're blessed to have additional men that are going to join in that work tonight. But we're also blessed to have a congregation that is always willing to walk with God. Tonight, it's God's plea, and so therefore it's the plea that we make. Are you walking in the light as He is in the light and having fellowship with Him and with His family? If not, you're missing powerful fellowship. You're missing powerful opportunities to serve. And you're missing hope. It is the grandest, the eternal hope that lies before us. If we can help you, what we want to do is to walk together, to worship together, and to serve together. There's not anybody here perfect, but we all want to live as God's children, forgiven. We all want to worship together. We all want to work together. Is there something we can do to help you tonight? Are you ready to be immersed into Christ? Or do you want to come back and pray forgiveness? Whatever we can do to strengthen your life and your walk with God, if we can help you come as we stand and as we sing.